Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about uh, various issues involving the construction of I-69. Joining us in the studio are NDOT I-69 spokesperson Cher Goodwin, NDOT Deputy Commissioner Samuel Sarvis, Citizens for Appropriate Rural Roads President Thomas Tokarski, and Monroe County Commissioner Mark Stoops. If you've got uh, questions or comments, you can certainly join us on the program by dialing 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition to uh, send in a question. Well, thank you all for being here. This is a big group. Thanks, Thanks for having, having us. Good to be here. Thank you. It's great, great to have you. I, I know that uh, when Mary, and Kath, Mary Catherine and I do the, um, the fundraising show, and we always ask for topics, uh, I-69 is usually a topic that gets mentioned. So mm-hmm. we're coming right out of fundraising, and here we are. Yep. So. Sam, By the way, hey, we got to thank everybody. We did met the goal, and thanks to all the folks who called in and supported us while we were right. doing our little plea. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Get to be on for another year. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Sam, I want to start with you. If you could uh, talk about the uh, the current status of the I sixty nine project, I know that there's been some movement in the last few weeks in terms of some accelerated parts of the plan. Sure, sure. But first, I'd like to say, Bob, it's not fair to invite us in, have a promo about a pizza place uh, for a <laughs> noon program and not serve lunch. Mm. Uh, no, Sorry. So noted. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're pretty excited. Uh, the uh, governor announced uh, just about a month ago that uh, uh, we were going to accelerate the construction of I-69, uh, sections uh, 1, 2, and 3, which will take us from Evansville to Crane. Um, and complete those uh, three sections uh, open to traffic by the end of 2012. Okay. Now, the accelerated schedule, um, how did that happen? What exactly does that mean? Well, uh, we were, uh, were, were nearing the end of the planning process for sections two and three um, and, and getting closer to a record of decision uh, from Federal Highway. Um, and so as we're, we're getting closer to the end of that planning process, we can start production and uh, start construction. Um, uh, section one, there uh, is broken into five segments, and we got a record of decision uh, in the spring of 2008, um, and and then b- broke ground in the summer of 2008 on that section. Um, and so we're getting we're nearing the uh, same place for sections two and three, and getting close to to moving into the construction phase. Okay, so you need to define um, record of decision, and um, also I want to know is the land acquisition complete for all three phases? Sure. Um, a record of decision is is the uh, process in which the federal government, um, the state highway, we're, we're looking at uh, the impacts uh, that the road will have on both the environment as well as the uh, property owners and, and such. And so it's their uh, uh, official designation that we've identified those and we've done uh, uh, what's necessary in their minds in terms of mitigation. Uh, as far as the uh, uh, right-of-way, um, no, it has not been purchased. Uh, we're, we're just starting the process in Sections 2 and 3. Um, there are about 40 to 50 appraisers on the ground in uh, Davies County right now. As the surveying is being complete, that identifies the parcels that we're going to need. Um, and, and so they're starting those, those contacts with property owners just as we speak. Okay. okay. I, I want to turn to Mark and Tom. I think it's, uh, it's fair to 
acknowledge that the two of you have been opponents of I-69 and certainly are, are watching over this project very carefully. Tom, your organization just marked 20 years or is going uh, soon to mark 20 years. It's been a very interesting 20 years. <laughs> so um, can I get you, Tom, I guess, to talk about um, the accelerated uh, schedule sure. and any issues that you see involved with that? Sure. Uh, what we're finding out is that uh, – to make the project less expensive, the governor has proposed that they thin the pavement, that they use asphalt instead of uh, concrete, which means much more maintenance in the future. They're going to defer, which most likely means to eliminate interchange, major interchanges. Some over and underpasses are going to be cut. Access roads are going to be cut. They're going to narrow the median and use uh, cables instead of a wider median, which uh, brings up safety issues. And um, they're also accelerated the, uh, the surveys and the appraisals. We have been getting calls now on a regular basis for a couple of weeks from very irate citizens who are telling me that they have trucks driving through their crops, through the farm fields. Fences are being damaged. They're coming on the property with no identification. They are belligerent, and they're, uh, when the landowners request to be present, they are being ignored. Cultural artifacts are being removed from the property without notification or consent. And one uh, big farming uh, operation called me just yesterday saying that uh, he uh, – independent appraisers were coming yesterday – or his the appraisers were coming yesterday, and he doesn't have time to get an independent appraisal because they're going to buy – he said they're going to buy him out by the end of the year. And he said, I don't even have time to have an independent appraisal done. So this is going way too fast. Okay, good. You've, you've hit a lot of issues that I hope uh, Sam will be able to address. Mark, did you have anything to add to, to Well, that? Just, just to add to what Tom said, just this week we, we found out that they're actually planning on um, – um, cutting off additional roads in Monroe County, for instance. This is what's considered by some of the local engineers. Uh, Birch Road, for instance, on the west side of the county as, long as, as well as Evans. And it also means they may be taking additional homes on the west side of the county. And, um, you know, my, I have a real concern about um, the uh, cut, cutbacks and expenses that, that is going on. I, we uh, – to, to just put in frontage roads – for I-69 in Monroe County and Bloomington is just going to cost us millions of dollars that we don't have. Um, the fact that this highway is going to have to be up for maintenance in a very short period of time because it, it will have thinner asphalt, it won't have concrete, as Tom mentioned. I mean, all of this is a big concern. Okay, let me. Let's. There are many, many <coughs> things uh, that uh, I think we should try to tick off one at a time. Okay, but I think that. <clears throat> pardon me. The, the overall first question that comes to mind is, what's the rush? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think the the rush is uh, a couple or a combination of things. Um, one, as I mentioned, you know, we're we're ending that planning phase, so we're it's it's available in terms of uh, the the process. Uh, probably more importantly is uh, the downed economy. Um, it, it's it's been a good opportunity for us in terms of road building. Um, we've we've seen over the last year about uh, a twenty percent decrease in our engineers' estimates to the actual bid awards. Uh, and that, that trend is, is um, uh, continuing, if not improving, in terms of, of what we're seeing uh, in competition. I think with the down economy, um, those folks that would be building uh, uh, you know, banks and hospitals and, and all those other things, um, you know, they're, uh, as, as, as we're not doing those other activities, um, they're moving into the road uh, business, the road building business, mm-hmm. um, you know, interested in, in being a part of that as uh, the major moves program, um, mm-hmm. as well as the uh, recovery, uh, has has really put that focus on on road building. So, you know, we're we're seeing better prices. Uh, it's it's certainly uh, the opportunity to uh, provide uh, economic development in terms of jobs mm-hmm. uh, for the construction itself um, in in Southwest Indiana. So, I, I think all of those things combined make it the right time. If if it's less expensive, why not stick with the original plan, the thicker ass, or I'm sorry, pa- um, concrete and the wider medians? Well, um, actually, we haven't made a determination of uh, whether the uh, pavement will be asphalt or or concrete. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, we'll we'll bid it um, so that those two things will compete against those two industries, the concrete and the asphalt industry, will compete against each other. So, I, uh, there's no. Uh, no determination has been made as as to to what type of material we'll use. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, we're looking at uh, staging the construction um, uh, based on on the connectivity and and the um, uh, level of, of volume, the volume of truck, uh, the traffic rather, uh, uh, both the 
cars and, and trucks, but mainly the trucks. Um, as as I-69 gets connected, uh, whether that be a, a bridge um, uh, over the Ohio uh, into Kentucky and, and Kentucky improves uh, their parkway system and, and turns it into an interstate uh, quality, uh, as we connect to 37, and then again, as 37 is improved and uh, on onto uh, 465, at each one of those, uh, uh, say, in, in, at each one of those intervals, um, where we get a higher level of uh, um, connectivity or or a higher standard of road, um, we expect uh, larger volumes of, of traffic and larger volumes of truck traffic. At each one of those phases, um, we would um, we would need to add to the level uh, of the structural integrity of the road. So. If we're building um, a road in in those segments, it just makes sense to build the road to the level of need. Um, you know, we won't we won't uh, build it less than our own standards uh, that have been approved by Federal Highway. We won't. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a, a chip and seal road. This is this is an interstate quality highway, uh, but we certainly don't need to build it for the uh, connectivity of, of uh, you know, multiple states until we get to that level. So we're just we're, – we're trying to be good stewards of the tax dollars. OK. I, yeah, I, I'm not a road builder, so I don't want to get into – too deeply into the details. But when uh, Tom mentions you're thinning the pavement – and I know you and I had a conversation about this when you and Cher visited sure. the, the newspaper. So uh, how much thinner is the pavement? And you talked about going in stages. So – you know, how do you determine how how much is good enough that it's not going to take a lot more uh, maintenance, for instance, and, and resurfacing because mm-hmm. of the of the of the wear? Uh, the again, the pavement design uh, isn't hasn't been completed, mm-hmm. um, but they'll base that on uh, both the uh, uh, the traffic volumes, the truck volumes, as well as the uh, uh, conditions of the soil. What are we, uh, you know, what are we going to be driving on? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a. Um well, for one thing, if, if as far as I understand, the thinner the thinner asphalt pavement doesn't meet federal standards, um, and if we do stage this, um, and we just we just uh, pave this interstate uh, as need arises, then we'll be uh, we'll be laying down the initial asphalt, and then we'll be trying to upgrade after the fact, which certainly has to be more expensive than than just doing it right the first time. And if we're already talking about um, already the cost of that interstate has gone up to, uh, even by INDOT's estimates, $3.2 billion between Evansville and Indianapolis, really I think a more realistic estimate um, uh, going by a lot of CARS research is that it's probably closer to $4.5 billion. And the question that I'd have to ask is where is that money coming from? Mm-hmm. Um, where have you identified funding uh, for this for this highway, so that you can actually make a statement that this is going to be completed by 2012, which of course is an election year. Um, I just have to point that out because I think probably the whole reason this is getting stepped up is because of that. Another important thing to remember is the recent Purdue study came out that showed that, for example, 4,000 bridges in the state of Indiana are structurally deficient or obsolete and need a lot of work. The state has a $5.4 billion backlog in local maintenance and upgrades that need to be done to its highway system. Why are we going to build a multi-billion dollar new highway when we can't keep up the roads we have now? Um, all right, Sam, let me again have Sam you... Sam has a list now. To... Yeah, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> writing these things down. So um, the... The idea about um, you know, building it to one standard the first time instead of building it and then coming back in and, and rebuilding it, what's the justification for that? Uh, again, you're, you know, we're building to that level of need um, you know, as, as it's needed. Um, certainly uh, the major moves program, um, you know, we, we identified $700 million for the construction of uh, sections uh, 1, 2, and 3 um, of, of I-69. And we, and we believe, uh, completely believe that we can uh, construct the first three sections uh, for $700 million. Okay. So, so, the, so the funding is there for, for those three sections? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have a, we're going to go to the phones. We have Tom on the phone, so we're going to go there first. We've got several emails, so we've, we've got a lot of people that are interested in this topic. Tom, let's uh, go with you first. Tom? Uh, hi, um, I'm, uh, th- I have a question specifically for uh, Thomas Dikarski. Um I I, uh, I I know you've been at this for quite a number of years now, tw- over 20 years, and 
Uh, I guess I, I just want to know uh, why you stick with it. Um, and I, I, I'll just let uh, Mr. Sikorsky answer the question, and I'll hang up and listen on the phone. Okay. Believe, on, believe on me. Radio. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Believe me, Sandra and I have asked ourselves this question mm-hmm. over the years. Um, we see this. I, have, I feel I have a very uh, strong responsibility to my community. I get a lot from my community, and I feel I have a responsibility to give something back. When I see a threat coming like this to the environment, to the rural communities, and to the fiscal uh, condition of the state, I, have to, I can't just back away from it. I have to do something or, you know, it, it, I'm just being a coward about it. And not being a responsible citizen. So I I have a responsibility to see that the money for transportation in the state is put to the best use possible. We can repair and upgrade the the roads we have. We are – Indiana is ranked 49th in the country among all the states in environmental quality. This highway is going to be an environmental disaster. And I can't stand by and watch that. I have gone for almost 20 years and talked to the people in southwestern Indiana, a woman Woman day before yesterday called and said, "You know, they're going to take my farm. They're going to cut through my farm, and we're an older couple." And but what about the woman down the road? She's 91 years old. They're going to. She's lived, born, and lived in the same house her whole life. They're going to take her house. She's going to have to leave. She's going to see it destroyed, and it will probably kill her. And I can't just walk away from that. I have to stand up and say, what is the point of this highway when there are other better ways to spend the money? Well, Tom, I think I need to ask you where you live because that's how you got involved, right? Well, we were in, got involved initially before we knew where the highway was going. It turns out it's coming right through our property. We have a nice piece of land, a beautiful piece of land, and it's going to take off the back part of our land and leave us sitting on an interstate NAFTA truck corridor, which is supposed to have something like 10,000 trucks a day. Probably that will never happen. That's what they predict. And so it will destroy our way of life. Last night, I couldn't sleep, and I went out. After dark, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I thought it was cloudy. I went out and looked up, and it cleared, and it was the most brilliant sky I have, think I've ever seen. And, I, and the only sound was the falling of rain off the trees from the day before. The night was brighter than the day. And I said, you know, this is going to be all destroyed. And not just here for 90 miles down to Evansville. It's going to all be destroyed. Well, a couple of things I wanted to mention. Thanks. I appreciate your talking about that because you certainly have been very passionate about mm-hmm. this issue for 20 years, and I, and I really appreciate that. a lot that. of heart. I think as we, you know, as we move forward, you know, we, we, I, I don't think we want to turn this into a debate over whether I-69 is going to be built or is not going to be built because I think there's, there are a lot of issues that you've identified about how it's going to be built. And and I but I and I also want to want share to respond to you know your uh, comments about how you've talked to lots and lots of people in southwestern Indiana and that you know INDOT's going to take their land and you know what what's uh, what's going on in terms of land acquisition. Well, of course, we follow all federal and state guidelines for notifying any property owner that may be affected in any way, whether we are contacting them to purchase their property in part, in whole, if we're having to relocate a home, um, if we're touching a business, if we're just um, needing to have temporary right-of-way, we're following all those guidelines. And one of the things that we have stressed to every person working on this team is that this is someone's home that they are touching and that they owe them the utmost respect and honesty while they're doing that and to be professionals and realistic in this. And, of course, um, you know, we're, we're watching and monitoring all of that. We are welcoming anyone to come to any of our uh, – to our office there in Washington. Uh, we've had many people come on site and call who are saying – what, how are you going to affect me? I, I want to I talk to you. I'm, I'm ready to sell. I, you know, this is a good thing. We're excited about this. We welcome this. Come talk to us. And we've had people who have called and, and come in that are concerned as well. How will this affect me? How will this affect my farm or my business? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, we have plenty of people on staff that are very knowledgeable as to what's going on and um, talking with them, listening to them, and taking their concerns to heart and making sure that any time that they deal with them or they're speaking with anyone along the corridor that they keep that in mind. What, what happened? Oh, go ahead, Sam. Well, I, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, uh, mirror your thoughts. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate and, and respect uh, uh, Tom's uh, opinion and, and his passion towards uh, how he feels about the road. You, you, um, you know, his, his, as he 
he feels that it's his duty. Um, certainly, uh, you know, we, we feel it's ours uh, to, to try to, uh, to do this the best way we can and, and to minimize those impacts, whether it be to the environment or to the property owner. But, you know, we, uh, uh, Sharon and I uh, did a radio show a couple of Saturdays ago in Washington and took calls. And we had uh, seven folks call in in about the last 15 minutes of the program, and not one person said, don't build this road. They had questions. They had, they had lots of questions about, you know, how the uh, when we, when they were going to be contacted and, and that sort of thing. Um, but but not a single person said said don't build this road. So I, I think there's uh, a lot of folks that are interested and and ready for us to to move on. Yeah, over the years we have collected. Uh, signatures, 150,000 signatures from citizens all over the state opposed to this route or in favor of the 4170 alternative. The, on the draft EIS for Tier 1, there were 20, almost 22,000 comments. 94% of those comments were opposed to this uh, uh, alternative or in favor of the 4170 alternative. So there's a lot, lot unprecedented opposition out there. Cher, I wanted to ask you, uh, referring to something Tom said before about you know, people that he's heard from, if there's a person who you know, you're going to take their land and they really don't want you to, I mean, do they have an alternative? If they come into your office in Washington, can you, they talk with you? And Was- you're talking about Washington, Indiana, Correct. of course. Um, are there things that, that NDOT can do? You talked about mitigating their situation. I mean, is there a, a possibility of moving it off their land or, I mean, what's, what's, what's their option? Of course, you know, we're going to look throughout the corridor at minimizing the environmental impacts and the impacts to property owners and landowners. And, um, you know, if we're if we shift the alignment east or west five, you know, five feet, 10 feet, 50 feet, we're going to try to do that the best we can Mm -hmm. and staying within the the outline that we have in place at this point. But of course, you know, anytime on any project that NDOT does, we're very much interested in what the locals have to say. The people who are going to be driving the road or affected by, by the roadway or the improvement, we need to know those things because we do take that feedback bring that back into the plans, and try to resolve any issues or concerns that anyone may have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have to um, – well, first of all, as, as properties are taken for the highway, keep in mind that, that not just the properties that are um, located right in the construction zone, like the houses that will get torn down um, and declared eminent domain, for instance, there are properties right outside mm-hmm. of that corridor that are, that are affected. And when we are working on our uh, uh, corridor study for Monroe County, we could not get information from NDOT or the engineers. We tried. We sent letters. We made requests. We tried to get studies. Um, and in the end, it's uh, there was so little response, and we were told that, you know, we're not going to be seeing noise mitigation in Monroe County. Um, we're not going to be seeing any pollution mitigation because NDOT has the ability to say, well, it's, it costs too much, so we're not going to consider it. And we don't expect it to happen. We wish it would um, because the noise levels coming off an interstate are extremely high. Uh, the amount of pollution coming off of the interstate is high. The, the amount, if you can picture what uh, an interstate through Monroe County and Bloomington will do to our level of ozone, our level of pollution that we are breathing every day. Um, it's very high. And, uh, and light pollution, uh, there's no mitigation for light pollution. We, we really don't expect that NDOT is going to cover any of those uh, environmental mitigations in Monroe County. Okay. We've got uh, – there's several things I want to react to or I want Sam to be able to react to several of the things that you've said about mitigation. There are a lot of things Tom said earlier, interchanges that are changing. Um, I want Cher to be able to address the You mentioned cultural artifacts being taken off property, so hopefully Cher can address that. We have six emails, but we're going to take a short break because it's – we're halfway through the program now. And when we get back, we're going to have to really pick up the pace and get all these (laughs) things addressed. But uh, we're talking about I-69 with uh, four people today, two from NDOT, Cher Goodwin and Sam Sarvis. And uh, Tom Tokarski and Mark Stoops. Tom's with uh, Citizens for Appropriate Rural Roads. And Mark is with the Monroe County Commissioners. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2. 
Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. We're talking about the construction issues involving the construction of I-69 with Sheer Goodwin uh, and Sam Sarvis from NDOT, as well as Tom Tokarski from Citizens for Appropriate Rural Roads. And Monroe County Commissioner Mark Stoops. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can email us, wfiu.org slash noon edition. We have a lot of things to cover. Um, Tom mentioned earlier uh, he had a lot of questions about the reduction or the removal of a couple of interchanges and also uh, medians and changes in medians mm-hmm. when you accelerated the project. Sam? Sure. Um, we are deferring uh, two interchanges um, uh, in uh, Section 2, and that's the North Pike and the South Davies. Uh, the North Pike interchange, we're going to go ahead and purchase the right-of-way for the interchange as well as the uh, connection road. I believe it's Blackburn Road. It's a county road that would connect up to uh, State Road 57. So, I, you know, those uh, two interchanges don't function at the, at the high level that we would hope they would in terms of the number of cars, the volume of, of traffic that they would uh, uh, that would be uh, coming on or, or coming off the interstate. So we're not going to uh, build them right now, uh, but certainly I, I believe that we will. Uh, we wouldn't be buying the, inter, uh, the uh, right-of-way if, if we didn't believe that they will function, uh, uh, that, uh, that we, we will be constructing those. What kind of reaction did, did you get in Pike and Davies about removing those? Sure. Um, I, you know, I think uh, I spoke with the mayor. I spoke with uh, uh, some of the Pike – or I think two of the Pike County commissioners uh, as well as uh, uh, Mayor Haig in uh, Washington. I, I believe – I think they understand. Um, you know, it would, it would be their interest uh, to, to, uh, to, to have those – both of those interchanges uh, constructed. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we hope that we can come up with a, a system of uh, the network of roads, whether that's uh, a city or county or state roads – uh, that that uh, bring the traffic generators um, in, a, in a place where the, the, the coal trucks, you know, the majority of them will get on the interstate, go around Petersburg and get off the interstate where we want them to. But uh, until that system is is in place, it just doesn't make sense to uh, to build the interchange with uh, that they're not using. Okay. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the medians as well. I, I think that's important. Uh, we'll let Cher talk a little bit about the the uh, uh, cable barriers, but you know we we reduce the median, which reduces the cost, but it also reduces the impact on the property owner and the environment. I I wouldn't think that that would be a bad thing, um, you know, uh, provided that we can demonstrate that that uh, we can do it in a way that's that's safe. And and so I'll let Cher talk a little bit about the cable barriers. The cable barriers we've found uh, throughout northern Indiana along several interstates, and and they do a fantastic job. They're they're still cable barrier barriers. And they have a reactionary uh, a level of seven and a half feet. Even uh, at a high rate of speed, a large truck, when they impact upon that, it's going to stretch that cable a maximum of seven and a half feet. So there's still plenty of room if it's a 60-foot median that if they would come across, hit the cable barrier, the maximum you're going to see them expand into the oncoming traffic is seven and a half feet. And that will keep them in the median. It will not let them go into the other lanes. And, you know, that's a huge safety feature and a, and a huge cost savings as well. When you think about the dollars being spent on, on these cable barriers versus the additional property that would need to be purchased and environmental impacts overall. And I think you, you're seeing them, uh, those cable barriers instruct, uh, constructed on, on 65 and on 70 mm-hmm. on either side of Indianapolis, uh, and they're saving lives. I, uh, I would hope that uh, we would be at a decision to put those th- uh, those in, um, uh, regardless of 
of how wide the median is. Tom? There was a recent uh, article in the paper uh, saying that an I-44 in Missouri, a semi went out of control and broke through the cable barrier that was there dragging cables across the opposite two lanes of traffic and then over into the uh, off the other uh, embankment. Uh, fortunately, there, there wasn't a lot of traffic, but you can imagine what that, if that had been very busy. Arizona and Washington State have used carrier bay, uh, barriers and the construction was rushed and improperly installed and they were unsafe and uh, they are now the subject of lawsuits. We, they can be useful. Barriers can be useful in some urban areas where you have a narrower right-of-way. But it, a, a wider median is definitely safer, especially in what is proposed to be a NAFTA truck corridor. There's going to be lots and lots of semi-trucks going along here at high speeds. These barriers are not going to hold them in. Okay. Any reaction? Just disagree. And, yeah, I, yeah. I just dis- disagree. And I, I know personally one of the county commissioners in Pike County who was opposed to the highway but said, well, if we're going to have it, at least we're going we're to see that it has, gives us adequate access. He was quite upset because they were not going to have their interchange. And I can tell you they're not happy down there. Okay. okay. We've got a bunch of emails, but, we, but right now we have two phone calls. So let's go to Roger first on the phone. Roger? Uh, hello. Um, I think uh, the issue of death and injury on highways between Bloomington and Indianapolis deserves a 500-word op-ed in the Herald Times, which I can supply you, but I'll try to do it in five sentences. I've seen the cleanup of a fatal accident on during my nine years of sporadic use of uh, roads between here and Indianapolis. And three years ago, I inquired of the INDOT regarding serious accident frequency on 37 and 67 intersections, told such statistics weren't recorded and didn't exist. But a Mooresville Times front page article later revealed that at that very time, Indiana State Police were on extra patrols under a grant that was based on such statistics. Now, I would have been happy if development had been controlled in this area, in Morgan and and Marion counties, but uncontrolled development over the past nine years along 67 and 37 has caused fatal accidents and makes a limited access road necessary. So why isn't there any discussion ever based on safety and preventing highway deaths? That's it. That's the reason for it. We've got to either clean up the roads we have, get rid of all the, those intersections, or have a new road. Right, I, I, can, I can respond to that. I think that the, the uh, caller makes some good points. And we have wondered, too, why they keep allowing road cuts on 37. It just makes it more unsafe. Our whole point over the years has been we need to repair and upgrade the roads we have. Definitely we can do things to these existing roads to make them safer. Yes, do that. A hundred cuts between here and Indianapolis, then. It's, it's out of control. And, and they need to do something about that. Making it an interstate, making this whole thing an interstate is going to cut off a lot of, 100, like 135 local roads. And so a lot more people are going to be traveling on these local roads that they say are unsafe. So it's, overall, there's not going to be any, any improvement in safety. I don't buy it. I, you know, it's those road cuts that um, are where the accidents are occurring. We've seen dozens in the time I've lived in Indianapolis, fatalities. All right, Roger. Th- hey, thanks for bringing up that topic. We, we appreciate it. All right, we're going to go to Mike next. Mike? Do we have Mike? Hi, gentlemen. This, yeah. is, um, uh, this is a question predominantly for the NDOT folks. And uh, what I'd like to know is, regarding the TAP Road acquisition MPO issue, uh, I'd like you to comment on the choice of taking this piece of property and uh, using it as a, as a point of contention uh, on, uh, on the I-69 issue. And, and uh, you know, I see it as one of your goals, which is trying to win the support of the local folks here. And uh, I see that it only drove a stake between your position and many of the folks here in this community. So, I'd like you to comment on the um, the reason for using that property as a strategy, and uh, you know where are we going from here? Thank you. All right, Sam. Well, I, you know, I don't think we've uh, used that property as a strategy. I think uh, initially it was, uh, uh, you know, this was a, a, a lady who qualified for the federal hardship uh, program, and not very many people do. Uh, there are a lot of folks that are interested in, in selling their property um, based on the fact that they're, they're aware that it's uh, in the I-69 corridor. Of course, they have to, uh, they have to let people know that uh, if they're interested in selling. Um, and, and so the, the 
uh, buying pool uh, is limited. And, and you know, that uh, particular lady, uh, she had trouble selling her property and she qualified for the hardship program. Um, we asked the MPO uh, to amend the TIP and allow us to purchase that property, use federal funds to, to uh, buy the property. Um, and the, the uh, MPO, as I understand it... Um, and Mark is on the MPO, right? The policy right. committee, so... Um, uh, maybe as early as last fall uh, had asked the MPO to, to put it on their uh, docket and, and to, uh, to amend the tip. And, and they didn't. And, and then it was pushed out till the spring. I think it was in April maybe that it came up. Uh, is, that, is that right, Mark? That's about right. In April, they uh, voted on it and denied it. Um, and then it came back up in the summer and, and it was tabled. And then, um, you know, then, then came in, uh, I think it was the September 11th, and, um, and then made the announcement that, you know, that they'd, uh, I would say circumvented uh, what we were uh, what we were trying to do by by the city purchasing the property. Um, fact remains, you know, NDOT had asked the MPO uh, uh, policy board to um, to amend their tip to allow us to purchase the property. Both the uh, citizens, uh, 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 what do they call that? The uh, citizens. Uh, uh, Citizens. Their committee that the uh, citizens advisory committee. Thank you. The advisory committee, as well as the technical review board on the MPO, had both uh, recommended to the policy board that they uh, uh, that they amend the tip and allow this to happen, um, and they didn't. And so, um, you know, w- with that request, you know, we we uh, we continue to to ask uh, the MPO policy board to allow us to purchase property within the planning area. Um, section four, um, we're we're about. Uh, I would say four or five months away from um, a draft EIS, uh, environmental impact statement, for it. And it's, it's very possible we are already contacting property owners within Section 4 uh, to purchase property with, uh, uh, for mitigation, for environmental mitigation. So it's very possible we're going to be contacting folks um, within the MPO planning uh, area uh, if we haven't co- contacted them already. And so we're going we're gonna to be again asking the MPO to uh, amend their tip to allow us to, to purchase property for I-69. So I, th- I think it's important that, uh, that, that that policy board, that you know, they recognize that. Um, and I, uh, as I understand it, the, uh, both the mayor and, and uh, NDOT officials are, are talking about that now. And, and I'm hopeful that that, that issue is going to get resolved. Mm-hmm. Mark, your reaction to what happened? Right. The, the purchase was denied because it didn't meet the standards required for a hardship buyout and something that would be included, included in our local tip. And one of the reasons is the property owner didn't even live here. Um, the, uh, and, and that's the MPO policy committee decided that, no, this wasn't an appropriate um, purchase. It did not need to be included in our transportation improvement plan. Um, but really, uh, I think it's interesting that Mr. Sarvis used the word uh, Bloomington was able to circumvent NDOT's attempt to get this property into our plan uh, because what we did is we purchased or, or the city uh, offered to purchase the property is in the process of purchasing it, purchasing it right now, which would have, uh, and I think in most people's minds, taken away the point of contention. Um, the fact is the NDOT representative on the MPO still voted against the purchase. Um, the, the purchase of the property for the hardship buyout was not the, the real reason that NDOT uh, wanted that included in our transportation plan. It was so that our MPO would list I-69 as a project. And, uh, and that was very, it was very thinly veiled. It was, not, uh, it was not really, as I said, the purpose of the, the, uh, the purchase. Well, let, let me – I guess let me ask you this very general question. Why wouldn't the Monroe County MPO Metropolitan Planning Organization list I-69 as a future transportation project through Monroe County? I'll give you a, a short version of that. It, it, because we feel that, that NDOT would use that as justification for federal funds uh, by saying that Monroe County and Bloomington support I-69 through Monroe County. No matter of all the, all the problems we've had – with uh, NDOT and the state regarding I-69. Um, both, both county officials and city officials feel that, that I-69 would, would very much damage uh, Monroe County and even damage our economy. 
Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'll let Tom okay. add uh, to that. The, clearly, funding is a big issue with this project. And INDOT said they have $700 million. It's interesting that I've looked at their, their latest large projects list of uh, major projects for the next four years, and they have uh, several uh, I-69 projects in there that come to $826 million, already over the $700 million for the first three sections. So there is a serious funding problem. And, a lot, and the, it has, they, the feeling is that they had, the project like this has to be in the tip to get federal funding for it. And they're trying to get federal funding for this project. They don't have it yet for the four, for four, five, and six. So they're trying to do you everything possible to get funding for the project. Okay. And to be included in our TIP, a project needs to be fiscally constrained. There needs to be identified funding. And, and INDOT does not have that for the sections that would be in our TIP. <clears throat> so really, there was no legal basis to withhold funding to Monroe County. And, and really, I'm surprised that that this issue is still has come up again. Okay. Okay. We've had several emails that have come in, and I'm going to apologize in advance and tell you I'm not going to be able to get them all on. Um, but here's one uh, that I can get on. It begins, I live in the southwest corner of Monroe County and work in Bloomington. According to maps I've seen of the proposed route for I-69 through our county, both of the direct routes I can take to Bloomington will be cut off, especially considering that the governor is saying fewer interchanges will be built to cut costs. My daily commute to work will no doubt be longer, which means more cost in fuel and more contribution to greenhouse gases. Emergency vehicles will take longer to get to homes in my area. The scenario would be repeated the entire length of the I-69 highway if it is built. How can you justify longer drive times, higher fuel costs, and longer waits for emergency services for so many folks in southwestern Indiana to appease a few people in Evansville who want to drive faster to IU ballgames in Indianapolis? Considering the governor's plan to build new train I-69 with thinner pavement and smaller shoulders, in other words, not as safe and sooner to be in disrepair, and with fewer interchanges, please explain how this will attract more jobs to southwestern Indiana. I'm going to say that's for you, Tom, or Sam. I, I'm not really sure which part of that to, well, to address. I, I, you know, as far as uh, uh, Section 4 uh, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of interchanges, uh, the governor's comments about uh, fewer interchanges is uh, directly related to sections uh, one through three and the two interchanges that I already met. Um, in terms of section four, we're we're still very early in the planning stages. As I mentioned, we're uh, maybe uh, four or five months away from a draft EIS, so we certainly haven't identified uh, uh, where interchanges would be and, and uh, you know where they where they wouldn't be. Uh, to a level to say that, that that would be an accurate statement on, on her part of, as, as far as uh, whether or not her access, her direct access would be cut off. Uh, absolutely, in terms of an interchange, uh, no different than um, uh, State Road 37 and a limited access uh, highway, um, you know, not every road uh, will, will intersect or, or be connected to. Not every place will have access. Uh, to say that uh, everyone would uh, keep their current access, level of access, would, I mean, that's, that's just not possible. Um, and I, I think that the uh, need for the road is, is much more than just a few folks that want to drive to uh, Bloomington for a ball game. Okay. Now, this is a nice follow-up then for that. It says, um, can the people of INDOT uh, talk about the economic gains the state can expect from I-69 and how it facilitates NAFTA? How it facilitates NAFTA? Um, well, you know, I, th I think uh, our estimates right now, uh, just during construction, uh, in the summer of 2011, we're expecting around 5,000 jobs, uh, direct or indirect, related to the construction of, of I-69. Um, I think the economic uh, opportunity in terms of uh, completed uh, uh, road is, is, uh, comes along with that connectivity uh, to, to a higher degree. Uh, but I think it'll, it, a lot of it depends on uh, local officials and, and uh, what their vision is for uh, their community with this highway. Uh, there are tools available um, if, if a community wants to see growth based on this highway um, in terms of uh, uh, planning and investment of, of lo local infrastructure. Uh, I, I think the opportunities are there uh, as well if, if a community doesn't want to see growth. Uh, there's, there's tools there for that too. Uh, so I, I think it's, uh, it would be difficult for me to say, you know, that, uh, this is what we can look for in terms of jobs. We know for sure that this is going to happen. I think a lot of it is, is based on uh, those local officials, those uh, mayors and commissioners and, and what, their, uh, what their vision is for their community. 
Uh, I should point out that Indiana is now sixth in the whole nation in total road density. It is, in, in terms of rural interstate highway miles, it is 10th or 11th in the whole country in, in interstate, rural interstate miles. And another, you cannot expect that another major highway like this is going to have very much impact on the economy, especially when the governor himself said, we, prob- we probably won't, we don't need thicker pavement down there because there probably won't need to be, be enough traffic to justify putting on pa- uh, thicker pavement for 20 years. Who knows? knows what's going to happen with highway transport. We need to start planning for the future by looking seriously and planning for public transit. And we can keep the roads we have in repair and go to public transit. Why are we spending billions of dollars on another major highway? And, the, and the, this, this state is in no better economic condition with all those highways than many other states. Tom, I'm curious. You, you said we're sixth in the nation in roads? Total, total road density. Where are we on, on uh, rail? Do you know? I don't know that. I, you know, I think it's interesting. I mean, Indiana is a, a crossroads of America. I mean, we, we see so much uh, rail traffic uh, coming in from the West Coast, uh, moving into uh, Chicago and then, then splintering off around the country. I mean, we, we move uh, a lot of goods uh, on our highways. We also move a lot of goods on our, on our rail system as well. I, we, uh, that's, that's our role in, in terms of transportation in America right now. I, I um, I, and I think that'll continue. Uh, I-69 certainly provides that opportunity uh, for, for a, uh, another link. Well, one of our emailers points out that you are the Indiana Department of Transportation, not the Indiana Department of Highways. Absolutely. So let's talk about transporting people. Um, Tom br- brings up um, the idea of more public transportation. Um, Lifelong Hoosiers don't necessarily uh, have many opportunities to take advantage of public transportation. Um, where is that on your radar screen? Uh, mine personally, I, I, I'm not as familiar with, with uh, what we're doing in terms of transportation, we, or in, in terms of public transportation, sorry. Um, you know, we certainly have folks within the agency that are, that are focused on that, that aspect. Um, I, you know, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a. Uh, there are certainly uh, circumstances where it's a viable opportunity. Uh, the thing about public transportation is, um, you know, it's it's good from point A to point B. Uh, but but we are Americans, and we like our freedom, and and you know we like to we like to splinter off from those points, and so it's providing it in the, in the uh, uh, right circumstances to, to move folks where they need to be, but also uh, the, there has to be a second network. It has to. We have to provide that opportunity for folks to to get to their final destination. <laughs> Okay, well, that's that's exactly true. And, and first of all, you know, I appreciate the fact that I hear somebody from Indiana Department of Tra- Transportation talking about the secondary network of public transportation that's necessary to support trains because our, our infrastructure for public transportation in Indiana is awful. But I saw a presentation in Indianapolis that for the price of I-69 from Evansville to Indianapolis, we could build two rail lines, north and south, and two other rail lines east and west in Indiana. Um, and we do have to focus on uh, not only moving people, more people by rail and public transportation, but the interconnected networks between the cities. We used to have it. I mean, we used to have a great nail, rail network, and it was taken out uh, and replaced by roads. Uh, but, but I also want to say that um, I also appreciate the fact that Mr. Jarvis did not state, as Mitch Daniels has, that I-69 will actually uh, create a lot of economic development over the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years because really what the environmental impact statement says, the, in, the, in, uh, the growth in economic development will be the same with or without I-69. And although they've used this figure to say economic development will grow by this much with I-69, they don't say that economic will grow the same – economic will grow, uh, development will grow the same regardless of the highway. All right, we'll go to Cher first and then Tom. Did you have something? Well, in Tier 1, it was studied uh, possibly incorporating a a rail, a transit um, for public transportation through that same corridor that we're talking about placing I-69, and the need was not there. We asked for public feedback, and it was not something that was – a high priority for people in the area. So, I mean, that was something that was considered in the original studies. Mm-hmm. The, the recently released plan from INDOT just this week was put out, and it's a transit plan for the next four years, and they have in that plan a total of $162 million for transit for the whole state for the next four years. Compare that with just I-69, 800 and approximately $30 million for just one more highway. They're ser- not serious about transit at all. They're not putting the money into it. There is pent-up need for transit. We, all the recent studies we have seen shown that there is a 
lot and growing interest in transit in, in Indiana and it's not being met and it's not even being planned for. All right. Do you have uh, more email? I know we had a lot of them here. I do. Um, this is to Ms. <laughs> we Goodwin. We only have about three minutes. Now, so. <laughs> Are the citizens of many communities along the proposed I-69 route who have voiced opposition to aspects of this project an asset to NDOT or just a nuisance to be steamrolled on your path to what exactly? Every comment that comes in is definitely something we want to hear. Um, that, that was one of the things that uh, has been a huge point since we started the public hearings on the I-69 corridor. When I started with NDOT in 1992, they were hosting open houses to talk about this. We've had public hearings and meetings since that time, and it's critical that we have people come out and express their opinions and concerns and share these with us because we want to build the best road possible, the safest and impact the environment and the property owners as little as possible. So that is, it's critical that we hear each and every concern that comes in individually, through groups, through local leaders. We want to build the best road that works, not just for us, but everybody involved. Uh, ahead, just, just to add on that, um, if, if public input wasn't important to us, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Sam, I want to ask you, and I'm sorry, we only have about one minute to go, but I want to ask you about different decisions that are being made about these sections that are under construction that people might – if they they have questions, if they have concerns, if they have uh, um, access issues, what should they do to, um, you know, to get their, their points across? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll give you the telephone number for the uh, office there in Washington. It's, it's 812-254-2831. Um, and and we can uh, put you in contact with the folks uh, that that are uh, can answer your questions uh, uh, specifically to sections uh, one, two, and three. Can, can we also give our phone number? Sure, absolutely. Uh, our phone number, car is eight one two eight two five nine five five five, and we can help with all the citizens' complaints too. All right. Well, this has been a lively program, and we are uh, we are out of time. Having four people on the show and making sure everybody gets to say what they want to say takes a lot of. We appreciate you having us. Thank thanks. you so much. Well, thanks, Thank for, you. thanks for everybody being Thank here you. today. It's a Thank very you. important issue, and I've, as you can tell, one that, that uh, stirs the passions of people around our community. Um, I wanted to thank Mary Catherine for being here and thank our producer, Ariana Prothero, and our engineer, Mike Pashkash. Uh, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.